Epiphany, 2002. Introduction. It was an unusually beautiful morning, September 11th, 2001. I was in the kitchen finishing my oatmeal and reviewing my notes for the sermon I was scheduled to preach in chapel that day. My assigned topic, the first two words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe. The text I had chosen, the words of the desperate father in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. King James Version. I flipped on the television to catch a glimpse of the morning news, and then I saw it. The towering inferno billowing with smoke. The second plane crashing into the second tower. The president's announcement, America is under attack. Later that morning, I canceled my sermon. Instead of a sermon, our faculty and students gathered to pray and weep, to read the scriptures, and to come together around the table of communion to remember a body broken and blood poured out. Much of the commentary after September 11th focused on the motivation of those who had turned airplanes into bombs and who had killed thousands of innocent civilians in the name of God. Words unfamiliar to most Americans were now heard daily on the evening news. Jihad, Islam, Taliban, Allah, Quran, Fatwa, Imam, Ummah, Ramadan. But there had been warnings. In 1990, Bernard Lewis published in The Atlantic his celebrated essay, The Roots of Muslim Rage. A few years later, Harvard historian Samuel Huntington argued that the coming world conflict would be of an order altogether different from the great struggles of the 20th century. Not a contest between East and West or between North and South, but a clash of civilizations. Chief among these competing civilizations, he said, are Europe and North America, with its roots in Christendom, and China and the Far East, with its Asian philosophy of life. Most aggressive and threatening of all, however, according to Huntington, is Islam, based on the prophethood of Muhammad and the precepts of the Quran. It seemed to many that the predictions of Lewis and Huntington were being fulfilled in Osama bin Laden's summons to all Muslims to comply with God's order to kill the Americans and their allies. Scholars will undoubtedly continue to debate these complex historical and geopolitical issues. For followers of Jesus Christ, however, an even more pressing concern exists. How are we to understand Islam in light of the Christian faith? This is not a new question, of course, but we are compelled to face it with a new urgency into today's world. This reality was driven home to me several weeks after the terrorist attacks in New York City and Washington, D.C., after I spoke to a suburban church near Chicago, Illinois, folks there wanted to know, how can we talk about Jesus with our Muslim neighbors? Do we worship the same God they worship? What do Muslims think about Jesus? Which beliefs do we share in common with Muslims, and where do we differ from them? How should we think and pray about the Christian mission to Muslims? 
If Islam is a good and peaceful religion, as George W. Bush, President of the United States, and others have repeatedly said, why are so many Christians persecuted and killed in Muslim countries because of their faith? This audiobook will examine some of these questions in the light of the historic Christian faith. In discussing the serious theological differences between Islam and Christianity, we must avoid angry condemnation of all Muslims on the one hand and a facile minimizing of Christian truth claims on the other. It's all too easy to assume an air of superiority and characterize Islam as a wicked, heinous religion. But to do so only serves to reinforce the misunderstanding and mistrust acquired through centuries of polemic and bitter conflict. Few will be led to Jesus through this kind of attitude. We do.